0: What's going on, How's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know who this is. This is Kevin from the Card Progression Podcast, sponsored by Dark Fusion Systems. The best for your custom computing needs. Whether you're a gamer, creative, musician, whatever you need in the custom computing space, Dark Fusion Systems has for you. You can get $100 off your entire build. That's the whole build using the code CPPOD at checkout at darkfeaturesims.com, link to in other podcast below. Mention that code at the end or anytime during your build. You can get that $100 off the entire thing. Oh, yeah. So, go and do that. Link to the podcast below. Now, for a feature presentation. We're going home because we have the home team on the podcast today. The band just got back from touring the UK, playing their biggest shows in support of the use. They've got new music coming out. And we dive deep into their thought process around touring, building set lists. The brand new song, Loud, and the big, big, big plans for 2024. You guys ready to get into a great band? You better be so. Let's go! Yeah. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of the Court Progression Podcast, We have brought on so many great bands from Thriller Records that it is absolutely insane. We've had our very good friends in A Void on the podcast, Catch Your Breath, The Word Alive, Honey Revenge, and now we get to add even more to that list here today. This band's brand new song, Loud, was released at the beginning of December 2023, so definitely go check it out. The heavy pop style of it and of the band as a whole, can't get any better than that. Plus, they just got off the road from the U.K., supporting the used like that's insane they got to do this all in 2023 and in 2024 are poised to be even bigger and even better so please welcome brian and daniel from the band the home team to the podcast so gentlemen welcome to court progression podcast howdy appreciate
1: that what's up thanks for having us
0: thanks for being there, guys i appreciate i appreciate you guys taking the time today i really do and first thing i do have to ask about is okay touring the uk with the used that is just absolutely insane especially for getting signed to a record label in 2023 and then this happens like you guys are an absolute insane trajectory at the moment but when it came to that tour just give me the rundown how that whole entire thing goes an experience for you guys not only as individuals but as a band as a whole
2: yeah it was i mean it was great it was our first time overseas um the only international shows we played proud of that was canada um And so it was, I mean, for that to be the first time in the UK, it's pretty crazy just because we always kind of figured it would be like kind of restarting. Like we would be playing much smaller shows because we didn't we wouldn't have the same fan base that we have here in the States. Um, Instead, we played the the actual biggest shows we've ever played in our lives over there. Um, And so it was a little daunting, but overall it was phenomenal. Um, Yeah, it was it was really cool. The guys in the used were really cool as well. Just really nice. And. Uh, we got to be there with some familiar faces. Honey revenge was opening the show. And so, and we did a tour with them last March, April. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it, it was, it felt like a great way to cap the year. Um, just because it felt like a good culmination of how things have been going and where things have gotten. And yeah, it was cool. It was, it was, it was crazy. It was, it was a lot, lot, a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was wild to play the, like pretty much consecutively like the biggest three shows we'd ever played it was like kind of one after another like oh this is the biggest crowd we've ever played to and then the next night like this is even bigger than the last night um and one thing that was it was kind of a bummer because it was so short uh like five days is around the time you really start to like get comfortable on the tour and you know see familiar faces from like the other bands and start to like say what's up and hang out with people and at the end of five nights we're like All right. I don't know most of your names. See y'all
2: later. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been nice to be able to stay on the road for longer and be able to hang out more. But.
0: I mean, it definitely would have been nice to have a little bit more of a longer tour, be able to connect with the youth, be able to connect with Honey Revenge even a little bit more so than you already had on your earlier tour from the beginning of the year. But at the same time. You still got to go and take this opportunity. You got to play alongside the U's. You got to get your name and your faces in front of them as well, in front of their fans. On top of that, ending the year, ending 2023, by playing the three biggest shows you've ever played in another country, not only just, you know, to a whole new fan base, but to people that might have never even heard your name before just looking at that tour poster. It gave you guys an insane opportunity to try something new, try something different, but at the same time, show your, show who you are, show your band to so many different fans and to play that amount of size, So I got to ask this now, how, how like big were the crowds of these shows for the use? Cause again, the use is not a small band. They're a pretty big band. They're a pretty big deal. So you guys, I just want to know how many people are you playing in front of on these three shows per night? Cause I'm curious.
2: Yeah, the, the, it was five shows total and three of them were uh, about 2,300. Um, it was, yeah, it was a lot of people for us. And, and the other two were like 1,300. So those were a little more like, okay, we've played to this size crowd before. This is okay. Um, and it was literally, I think it was big show, small show, big show, small show, big show. Um, and so it was, it was actually broken up kind of nicely uh, with the biggest one. At least I think the biggest one was London um, in the middle. And at least, at the very least, that was the most important one. And that one went really well. Um the booking agent that we have over there went came up to the show, a lot of people that I've known for a long time, uh, who've never seen us before came up to the show. My family all flew over from the states to go see that one. Um yeah, it was it was cool. It was a it was a crazy show for sure. That's some
0: insane kind of support, especially having your family fly to another country to see you play your biggest show, but just to show that support that many people would never ever do. That's just insane to me. So a lot of props to your family on that one for stepping up to the plate and giving you the support when maybe when you need it the most, but also at its most important time. Seeing that, yeah, look at what I've done. We're playing in front of 2,300 people, and everyone's having a blast. Yeah, we're doing something totally. right here.
1: Yeah. yeah, Brian's dad just like shows up sometimes on tour. Uh, there have been a couple of times where it, like he didn't really tell anybody, and he's just like at the venue and it's like, Greg, hey, good he's to see you. I
2: know randomly <laughs> it's very funny
0: she well, and the next time you guys end up going to chicago to play a show if your dad randomly shows up he's probably gonna have to compete with me for the most random show up of the day <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh that's funny yeah i can't wait to see you there
0: oh it'll be it'll be a good time and just when it comes down to of course big shows big stories i mean there's a lot of things that probably happened there but when you guys are playing these larger shows just because it it you know you said you played around 1300 people with those other shows but seeing you know a thousand more people on there there's got to be some sort of nerves that had to come over you especially on that first night just given the fact that it's something that's brand new all these people were you able to just like quell those nerves and just like take care of them especially after one song getting up there getting in the groove or is it something that kind of took a while to get used to the fact that you're playing in front of so many people? I feel like yeah, I feel like ahead.
1: the nerves uh, are a little bit more with like associated to our gear and making sure everything works, uh, because when we're at home, it's like it's all of our stuff, everybody like it's it's the equipment that we use all the time. We've had you know multiple days to rehearse and get everything ready. Um, but this was our first time, like putting all of this equipment into cases that get flown out all the way across the country or across the world. Um And we we had kind of a mishap with all of our equipment where uh, so we had just gotten a bunch of air tags so we could like track all the cases. And then when we landed in Ireland, uh, we looked at our phones and all of our air tags were still in San Francisco. Um, So our managers spent like basically a full day trying to track down where our cases were. And we ended up getting it all sorted out because a fan who works at the San Francisco airport responded to my tweet and was like, yo, I work in like baggage. I saw all of your cases when I come into work tomorrow. let me, Like I'm going to go to the Aerolingus like baggage people and make sure this shit gets on a plane. Uh, and the next morning he hit us up and he's like, hey, I told him the whole story. Made sure it's, on, it's like it's on the plane. Uh, should be getting to you soon. Uh, and so that that guy, I forget his name, but he's on the list of like three people that have guest list for life anywhere he wants to go. <laughs>
0: That deserves guest list for life. Holy crap. That I, That's just an insane coincidence, too. But the fact that you had a fan step up in that moment for you at, at a time when you probably, need again, need it the most. Who would have known what would have happened had you not gotten your gear? Would you have been able to play the shows? Would you have to borrow somebody else's? Would you have to figure it out? That's a huge, huge, stressful point that, you know, probably for at least a day, day and a half, stress up to like the nines at the absolute maximum, wondering how you're going to make this happen. And thankfully, a fan working baggage at San Francisco Airport was able to make it just all as easy as possible because dude found you guys' stuff. and was like, yep, yeah, it to Aer Lingus people. Send it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it it's Very funny.
1: I, I feel like of all the stressful situations, that was like it was so it was so difficult that we kind of all were just like there's nothing we can do about this. Like I can't just go to the store and buy new equipment. Like this shit is, you know, 5,000 miles away. So it's kind of out of our hands. So we were like fairly stress free about the worst thing that could possibly happen because there's nothing we could do about it.
2: Yeah, it was really just like, what is the point of stressing out about this? Because we're just gonna have to wait and see what happens. Um, Yeah, it and specifically about that first night too, Um, the way that, regarding nerves and being nervous for that show the way that that venue was laid out, it was like a warehouse style venue. So there was no balcony or at least if there was, it was really small. And so every single person was just right there in front of us. And I'll be honest, that show was actually, it was Manchester. It was kind of hard. It was like, um, it was just so, it was really, really daunting for the majority of it. The other two big shows were like, one of them was a theater style room. So it was like split two levels and the other one had a really really deep balcony so that was also split up more those ones are a little easier cuz like you're you're really only playing to whoever's directly in front of you but when everyone's directly in front of you at least for me cuz i'm standing at the front of the stage um it it was it was pretty daunting um but all the gear worked everything worked and we got all of it back in time so thank god all the gear worked cuz
0: otherwise that would have been terrible But I was just about to ask that question, like what was going to be the major difference between playing in front of people where it's like that warehouse style when everyone's on the floor versus when you have a balcony to work with as well, more of a theater setting, just because from my standpoint as a fan, I'm always on the floor. I'm always in the pit. I'm never anywhere else. So whenever I think about going to a show, I never think about like what's that major difference when you have a balcony or not. Plus, when you have a balcony, too, it's, you have people that are kind of looking on you. They have a little bit of a different perspective of how the show is being performed, how the show is being played. So catering to those fans, making sure that the show pops off for them is a lot different than for everyone that's on the floor looking up at you or just in that same kind of setting where everyone's smushed together. It is a much different factor that I never even thought of, especially coming from the fans' perspective
2: yeah yeah no i to be honest i don't really have very many opportunities to play to anybody in a balcony unless i want to just like mention them when i'm talking like how you doing up there in the balcony yeah um (laughs) but realistically uh i kind of do just play to whoever's down in front uh half the time balcony's too dark anyway i can't see anybody up there um and so, yeah, it, it the people down in front are the ones moving, the ones that are directly visible. And so, yeah, chances are uh, those are the people that get played to the most. Plus, if you think about it too, it's
0: if you're up in the balcony, when it comes to the energy of the show, of course you're gonna be watching the band on stage, but you're also gonna be watching the crowd as well because you wanna see how the crowd's reacting. And with the majority of people being in the crowd, It's going to be that energy and that interaction that's going to be the one that's going to influence the rest of the crowd, especially up top. If they're going to be seeing everyone just kind of standing around, just waiting, doing nothing, you know, they're probably not going to get into the show as much. They might sit back you know, be on their phones or whatnot, checking out what the latest, uh, you know, TikTok trend is, who the hell knows what might it be. But if they see something where every fan is into it, people are dancing, people are moving and grooving, or if it gets super duper heavy, and people are hitting the hell out of each other because it's fun. Yeah, now they're going to feel that energy. They're going to pick up on it, but it all has to, it's all going to be based on an interaction between how the fans are taking your music and how the energy from your music and your performance is being given to those fans.
2: Totally. Yeah, I completely agree.
1: Yeah, I feel like uh, we were kind of we kind of went into this whole thing thinking that we were going to play to, you know, maybe like 50 or 100 people who knew our music and then mostly older, the used fans who like, you know, don't care about a new band because they've been, you know, they're there to see the used and they're in their like late 30s, early 40s. Um, but uh, there was a, a lot of younger fans, like way more than we expected. Um So it just there were a lot of people that we definitely definitely saw that we like turned them by the end of the show. Um, Usually the first the first song or two, everyone's kind of stiff and you see like the people who know our material are are singing and like dancing along. And then, you know, three or four songs in all of a sudden people are nodding their heads, clapping after songs. And then like by the end of it, um, the energy is pretty wild. So it felt like we turned a lot of people, which is very sick.
0: I'm a little, su- I'm not, I'm kind of surprised and not surprised at the same time that you guys had a good amount of younger fans at these shows. A little surprised, kind of what you're saying. You know, if you're if it's the use and two bands that you might never really heard of, you're gonna end up going to see the use. You're gonna be so focused in on that, especially if you're in your later thirties, early forties, and you're gonna want to have a good time with that. You might not necessarily give these younger bands the time of day unless they are like exactly specifically like that band that you want to go see, which in this case was the use. However, why I'm not surprised at that is is just based on how many more people, how many more young people are starting to really get into this kind of music, get into more of, especially some of the heavier stuff, but also more of the emo side of things, more of the scene side of things. And when they're coming to those shows, they're start, they want to find new bands that they want to get into, too, because they're more open to the experience. As when we're younger, we're more open to those formidable years where music absolutely impacts us and we find those bands that we become lifelong fans of. Plus, also adding you and Honey Revenge on there as well and seeing how especially a band like Honey Revenge is starting to really gain a good amount of traction as well. That also adds the mix of having other young people come to the show as well if they get to know them. If they know you, they want to come out and support you at the same time. And you have got this big like, you know, melting pot of younger fans that are, might be there to also watch the use, but also are there to support you guys and see what you have to offer if they don't know you and are open to the experience. So that, yeah, for the first song or two, they might be stiff. They might be a little bit more rigid, but it's because they're trying to get a feel for you guys. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And as time goes on, as this show goes on, now they start to feel it. They start to get more invested to it. So by the end of it, your energy and your performance and your style, your sound, really resonates with them and you make those fans where you see them at the merch table at the end of the show you see them posting about you guys after the show you see them you know supporting you guys over and over again and you see these continuous posts on social media forever so that you know you guys made fans for life based on one show all it can take to make a fan for life is just one show one moment even
2: totally I, yeah I totally agree
1: yeah and we and we definitely like planned our set to be um Very few breaks. Uh, We squeezed nine songs into 30 minutes. And so there was like probably 28 and like 28 minutes and 15 seconds of like us actually playing. Um, So we didn't really give anyone time to be bored. Uh, So the entire set was just like heater after heater, nonstop energy. uh, And I think it
2: worked. I don't (laughs) ever want to do that again. (laughs) We probably will have to eventually, but
1: it was uh, it was difficult for sure uh we we definitely realized we we cut a bunch of our interludes down um just to make sure we could like squeeze everything into the 30 minute set and we we definitely learned a lesson about how valuable those interludes and you know having 20 seconds in between songs to breathe and drink water uh how important that is um yeah didn't realize it <laughs> maybe we just need to get in better shape <laughs>
0: But again, you guys only had five shows for this. So you guys are playing around with this. And if you're going to test something out like this and you want to make sure that you get the most amount of fans in, especially for the capacity that you guys were playing for, it makes sense to not have those interludes nearly as long to compress that, to really keep the show flowing, keep that energy going. Because if you have a moment where you're going really strong and then you dip that energy because you're trying to create a mood, but everyone's continually building up on that energy, then you're going to end up losing out on that, and people are going to remember this like massive dip in that show. There's plenty of shows where I've been to where bands are playing, everything's going nuts, and all of a sudden you get that massive dip in there. And if it comes at a time where the energy is so consistently high, then it, the show never really recovers from that because you just really brought everyone on. Sometimes it happens. That's how shows get built out, that's how set lists get built out. But what you guys are able to do is just continue to capture that energy, capture that attention, especially from a younger crowd, and keep them intrigued and motivated and from the older crowd as well not really let them have that chance to just be like be the curmudgeons and kind of kill the energy it makes a lot of sense and i understand what you don't want to do in the future but if you have another opportunity where it calls for it you you know what you've already done it once before you can do it again maybe maybe work out a little bit more beforehand but (laughs)
1: now you know yeah the uh when we're planning like a headlining set, we definitely have an intentional, like you, you've probably seen that meme where it's like every band set opening song, the song, everyone knows a bunch of garbage in the middle ending song. The other song, everybody knows, uh, we kind of aim like that where we have like the front half have like three or four, like pretty well, like, you know, I guess well-known to our fans, but like pretty upbeat songs. And then somewhere in the middle, we drop in like all the softer songs all together. So that way it's like, energy's up and then it kind of dips down a little bit and then we pick it back up again. Um, with I feel like if we, if there's too many like drop a soft song, then back to high energy, then an acoustic section and, you know, and, and like repeating that um, gives it's a little bit too much ebb and flow. So I like to do
0: like high energy, chill it out end with high energy again. See, Daniel, I'm a big fan of what you just said there too, because when I think of setless and I think of the bands I like to go see, The ones that, you know, if they have softer songs there you're going to want to put them in there because fans know and fans are able to connect with them. But if you're going to be focusing on the energy of it, you want to have that all compressed in a one point time. You don't want to constantly have this ebb and flow because it's going to just mess with everyone's, you know, that's energy. People just want to have that continuous flow. I think about whenever I go and see Rise Against play, it's like always high energy, always that punk rock style going forward. But then when you get to a song like 11 or 12, that's when they dip it down. They'll do like two acoustic songs, Swing Life Away, maybe Hero War, maybe People Live Here, maybe something like that. But then they pick it right back up to, of course, three more songs that everyone knows. And the energy is continuing to flow. But you get that low point that allows the energy to kind of take a break, but connect with fans. Whenever I go see I Prevail, though, the two times I've seen them, it's always been weird where it's like high energy, then low, then it constantly is flowing like this. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people that do like that style. I mean, they're a huge band, but for me to see them live, it's just like, you're kind of messing with me where I can't fully get invested into the set list because the energy is constantly moving. If you find the way the energy works for your guys' sound, for your guys' style, and if it's that way where it's, go with the energy, dip it down, but compress it where it's all together and then pick it right back up to the songs that people are going to know and people are going to get back into it with. Now you're creating that experience. You're creating something where people are having that energy, having the emotional times with more of those softer songs, but they're able to pick that energy right back up on, not only based on how you guys are playing, but based on familiarity yeah and
1: and there's a couple uh, when we're talking about setlist there's a couple other things that we always have to take into consideration Um, because a lot of our material is written well most of the material is written with an 8 string in mind Um, John has our guitarist has a 6 string and an 8 string that he plays live Um, and so if we don't coordinate guitar changes with the set list. Um, he's swapping guitars over and over again. And that takes a lot of time. So we'll we'll do blocks of like two or three songs on the eight, then having to switch to the six. Um, and then on top of that, we also need to consider Brian's voice for uh, for how the set list goes, because if we have, you know, too many really high, big energy songs towards the end, it's harder for a headlining set. Um, so the acoustic shorter section also serves as like a little bit of a, a breather for everyone. Um, like on our last headliner, we did, uh, our song, uh, we did, she's quiet acoustic, and then we did another night alone with you and sales kind of like all they were, Brian, they were all connected, right?
2: It was another night alone with you coming out of the higher energy ones. Then it was, Mm. uh, sales and then it was, she's quiet. And with all the, like the down ones
1: being together, kind of like all of our sweat dries, we all get to like, you know, take a little breather because we're not having to jump around as much. So then we pick it back up. We just got like, you know, a 12 minute little like breather.
0: to catch your second wind just, (gasps) okay, now we're good to go. Let's do this shit. (laughs) Again, it makes a lot of sense. And I do understand what you're talking about with, you know, the guitar changes as well, because anytime we go see any live band, you always take a look at the equipment changes that happen and it's never one song and all of a sudden, okay, now we're going to go to a different guitar, or a different bass, and then have it happen song after song after song. That does take a little bit of time and you kind of need to build in a little bit of an interlude in there to make sure that that happens. But whenever I see certain set lists, it's like, okay, now I'm going to better understand for myself why certain things are always put together, why they're clumped like that, even though there are times where for my own personal sound, I'm like, man, I wish this song was right after this, but of course... There's different instances that you have to play off of, you know, like you said, equipment changes. How well do people know this song? Does it fit in with the energy flow that we're going for? And do we want to play this certain song at the beginning, but this other song at the end, even though they go so well together, but it's because at the end, this one's going to smash so much harder because everyone knows it. And it's going to end the set on such a high note that you don't want to miss out on that.
2: Yeah, well said. I totally agree. Yeah,
1: we, have, uh, we have two songs that, uh, I guess, three that have been set enders. Um, so we have Watching All Your Friends Get Rich, um, which is pretty early in our record. Um, right Through Me is another one that we've ended with the, the, end of the set with, which is, I think, my personal favorite. But it's very high energy and very high vocally. Uh, so if we have a longer set, it's a little more challenging to put that at the very
2: end. Um, uh, actually, funny enough, it's the opposite. Uh, the shortest set... Because we did so short of breaks, Uh, the shortest set was actually the hardest to sing right through me at the very end. Um, But we've never done right through me at the very end on a headliner. Uh, But we you know, what we have done is watching our friends get rich, which is equally as high and danger, which is probably the hardest song. Mm. But what I was going to say is longer, longer doesn't necessarily mean harder uh, if there's all those breaks. I found myself pretty winded at the end of these used sets because of how few breaks we had. Um, With ample breaks, I could go for a long, long time. Uh, And with no no break at all, I could probably only go for, you know, 20, 30 minutes. But but yeah, doing right through me at the end of these used ones was actually one of the hardest things that I've ever done vocally, Um, even though it was only 30 minutes. Had, you know, again, had we spaced things out we could do right through me after 60 minutes and be fine. But yeah, it's, it's, that comes down more to like my athletic ability and my lung capacity. Um, Cause I think that that is currently behind my vocal prowess. I think my vocals are better than my cardio.
1: <laughs> Fitness journey starts now. Yeah, it sure does.
0: Hey, new year's resolution 2024 for Brian. Get your lungs up to the spot of your vocal capacity. Get to that point. So, you know, Maybe you can do a couple more 30 minutes straight rippers and not yeah. just be completely exhausted at the end of them. Maybe. Oh yeah. It's not a bad new year's resolution add on to it, but now I got to ask this question because we're talking about set lists and we're talking about how you guys constructed this. Of course, now that the fact that you guys release loud when it comes to putting loud in a set list, where would you guys end up putting something like
2: that? For the longer set that we did for Don Broco, um, we I think we played for 50 minutes on those shows. And where did we put it? We probably put it right smack dab in the middle, like seven. Um, for this new one, because because it had gotten released, it wasn't released on Broco, so we didn't want to play it too early because nobody knows it. Um, because it had been released by the used shows, we played it third. Um, we played it pretty early in the thing, just because now it's like a song we're pushing. People actually know the lyrics. And um, yeah, now, now it's probably going to, sway a little earlier in the set um not not so early that we don't like set the set the tone with a higher energy one because it's it's like it's groovier it's not it's not one that i you know have people jump around and mosh to um it's definitely more of a dance song and that's cool and that's definitely like i love that direction musically but live um it's something to consider for sure because it'll inevitably end up less people jumping, less people, you know, pushing each other around. And which is totally fine. Again, they're, I always see them bobbing their heads, which is great. And so so, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's going to sway a little earlier in the set from now on, um, uh, as is the case with any other singles that we play. I think the next time we play a show, we're going to have like way more music out. Which is
0: oh, well,
2: yeah, because we. I mean, we don't have uh, we don't have any shows for the next while.
0: I was going to say, well, we can get into that a little bit later for sure. But I understand we're bringing loud, especially for especially for any band. If you have a new song that's not released that you want to play it on tour, you don't want to put it too early because no one's going to know it. It might ruin the engine. You don't want to put it too late either because now the show's already being built up. You have a certain capacity. And if no one knows it, now the end of your show is not going to end on the high note that you really want it to end on due to the fact that you have this song that people are, might might really get into, might not get into, but because they don't know it, there's this giant question mark around it. In the middle makes sense because you're still able to flow, but if you want to still end the show on the high note, you still have time to pick it back up. When it comes out, though, playing this one-third, especially, yeah, if you get people high energy, you get them going, you get them moving, now you play loud, and it definitely has more of this funk, R&B, dance kind of vibe to it, especially mixed in with everything. Now, how do you make sure that people still can kind of groove into it, get into it? And basically, when I look at myself, how do you get dumbasses like me in the pit to go from smashing each other, making sure that pit still stays open, but just have us dancing and grooving the whole entire time, looking like the worst dancers you've ever seen happen? Because trust me, we'll do that stuff. I'll do random. I'll just go and start doing the mockery of this just because I think it's funny. But hey, keeps the pit open, keeps the energy going.
2: Love that. Yeah, honestly, because it's such a low tempo song, uh, we have we have more uh, energetic songs on this upcoming album, for sure. But that one is definitely a lower tempo, more groovy um, song. And to be honest, like sometimes for me, the way I think about a show is especially in our genre, because we're, we we till the line between poppy rock, you know, all that like. We're not my goal isn't necessarily to treat it like a metal show where everybody's going buck the whole time. Um we have songs where people can do that. We have a song called Grievance Pay that's really great for that. Um scary movies, I make people jump. And um but for Loud, I think it is gonna stay a little more of like a spectacle song where people are are a little more into the idea of just watching us perform it. Um and I do find that like me at a concert, like nowadays, I'm getting a little older, I don't really go into the pit much anymore. <laughs> and I actually do just enjoy watching, especially being a performer and trying to be inspired by what people are doing. I do just enjoy watching a lot of the times. And so I consider that when it comes to the crowd. And uh, I want to give people a break, even if the song's not necessarily like a soft song or a ballad. Um, I, I don't dislike the idea of loud being one of those songs where people can chill out for a moment. However, I do want to keep them engaged enough to maybe clap along. There's a couple of really great clap points in that song that only on this last use tour that I actually started taking advantage of in the second verse, there's about a 66% chance. And so I started doing that. um, And I think I'll probably do that from now on.
0: Well, I would definitely agree. Keep doing that from now on, especially it's going to keep everyone engaged. It's going to keep the focus on you. So as everyone that's not in the pit, again, or I'll always look at the pit from my standpoint because I'm always in it. I'm never out of it. So always how I look at it. But I gotta remember too, there are so many other people at the show that don't wanna go smashy smashy like I do. But if everyone is, you know, paying attention to you and you get that, you know, second verse, everyone's clapping along, everyone's having a good time with it, everyone's starting to dance to it. Now people are continuing to be engaged, they're watching the spectacle of what you're putting on. And still for all of us that are crazy in the pit as well, we're still able to keep that energy from our end continuing to flow and continue to vibe as we can still watch back we can get into it. But if we want to keep it open and make some sort of crazy dance style thing going on, yeah, we still have the absolute opportunity to do it. When listening through your music and listening to loud, listening to the inspiration, listening to some of the other stuff, the one band that kept popping in my head for like, who, who have I heard that's been like, that gives me the same kind of vibe with all the different styles, all different things you can do, And definitely landed on this band, Varsity. Just absolute similar in terms of the way things flow, how a live show that you guys are describing it, seeing them play live, exact same kind of feel where I've seen them go heavy. I've seen them go soft, more vibey as well. And seeing how that show interacts and how people interact with it. I'm looking at this thinking, yeah, now I know exactly how this feels. I know exactly what you guys are talking about. And man, I love going to see Varsity live. So yeah, now I got to go see the home team live. It it just makes
2: sense. Right on. I've never, I've never heard their music, but I'll check it out.
0: See, definitely check it out. I always their lead singer Joey. I'm like, this dude is like trying to, it's like kind of like he kind of has that Michael Jackson vibe to him, especially with his with his voice. Uh-huh.
1: Man, yeah. I wonder, I wonder if they're also struggling with the uh, sports themed name, not pop punk sports themed music <laughs> thing. <laughs> That's kind of our whole uh, our biggest dilemma with our branding. Really?
2: Yeah, it's just like we when we started the band like forever ago. At this point, Dan, you probably like it came. Started in you, 2013. Yeah. So like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um and uh it was just a different it was a different band. Like it was a different vibe, going for a different thing. And um it it was the home team was the perfect name for what was happening back then. And as things changed, like we right around when we were going to release Slow Bloom is when we really thought about changing our name. Um, we didn't mostly because we couldn't think of anything better. <laughs> we 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 damn well would have
1: <laughs> i think we're and i and at this point i think we've realized that it's pretty common for artists to not like their band name really um well. and i mean if you think about like huge bands eventually the name doesn't mean like the 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 words of the band name lose significance yeah um like when everybody hears Green Day, nobody thinks, oh, that's a silly high school pot reference. Like you just hear Green Day and you're like, that's that's the, the map. Yeah, it's the massive mm-hmm. band.
2: Yeah. I um, uh, do remember is another really good one because that's like a very specific literal uh name. If you think about what it means, it's literally talking thinking about a specific day and time. Nobody nobody thinks about that when they hear say that name. They just think, Oh yeah, that band with the album Homesick, Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. When you hear Bring Me the Horizon, do you think Pirates of the Caribbean? I no, not anymore. You just think of the band. So when you hear the home team, hopefully you don't think of baseball.
1: <laughs> that said, Ooh. we are having a big push starting, I think, uh, next week with trying to get loud into arenas and have uh, sports teams using the "Don't be afraid to get loud" tagline as like it does work crowd... really well. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of full circle. We're going all the way back now. Instead of making sports themed <laughs> music, we're literally being played in arenas. <laughs>
0: Yeah, instead of making sports music, you know, we're making different kinds of music, but we're going to have this stuff played in arenas because it just makes sense. But you're absolutely right when it comes to different band names. It's As bands continue to grow, those band names, it's what they literally mean. They lose so much significance because what's being built around that band name overtakes it. Think about any creation, any company, anything. It's, It's just you come up with a name. It's like eventually the name doesn't necessarily matter. It's what's built around the name because if you try and sit and find the perfect name for everything, it's not necessarily going to hit because you don't know what it is. But if you pick something and you build something around it, it becomes its own entity and it has its own significance. But now, putting loud in sports arenas, try and use the don't be afraid to get loud tagline. How is this being, you know, what's the process behind this? What's the plan behind this? I have never heard someone try and do this in the context of a podcast before, but you guys have me like 100% at attention right now. How are you guys going to pull this off?
1: Dude, I want to be real. That is 100% record label doing things behind the scenes. I just told them my idea. I like, this is too, you know, it, it's too obvious a thing. I already see the like dumb Jumbotron Big bright blue like scribbly letter font like I see it in my head and people don't know what the song is but it just becomes a thing that's synonymous with going to a sporting event uh I have no idea how that's gonna work I do know that a couple people who work for the Kraken uh the Seattle NHL team are fans so when this push happens I'm going to hit them up and be like hey hit up talk to your like you know the music person yeah. Oh, and that also reminds me. Uh, the organist for the for the Kraken is like a fan of the scene, and he plays different like scene adjacent music on the organ. And so there's a clip that was going around Twitter last week of him playing uh, our song, watching all your friends get rich, and then like tying it into the do 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 like that song.
0: <laughs> it was, fun. It was fun. okay it was fun. that. That is freaking awesome. And if and when 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 the record label does go about this, if they want some other contact, because I can get them a contact for the not the there's no NHL team Milwaukee, but there is an AHL team. The Milwaukee Admirals they are the Predators affiliate. Uh, I do know a good amount of people that do a lot of the do a lot of the game day entertainment there. So maybe I can help get it in there
1: man that's uh that, that that's how we start we start with the minor leagues and then work our way up because it's all about the arenas I think I yeah I'm yeah. purely guessing
0: yeah I mean just it's like if 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 they want if they if they want you know just because I mean shoot i already I'm already contacted with thriller it's like they just have to send me an email like okay who should we talk to and I will literally get them everything they need just like okay talk to this person this will be the one you want to talk to yeah and if they mention themselves it's like yeah and this and uh Kevin was the one that provided. It. I'm gonna literally give them someone from that I've known and have been friends with since I was five who deals with all the game day entertainment stuff. So well, I'm you want to be number sure-
1: four on the guest list for life thing. Make <laughs> yes. <that
2: happen>. Yes.
0: <laughs> okay. Now, now we got that. Okay. I mean, we've got three guys on the, on the, on the guest list for life. I know one of them, the reason behind it is because he made sure all your equipment got from San Francisco airport out to you guys in London with, because of, they forgot to put it on the freaking plane. But if I can also be part of that by literally getting your song in an arena, We'd be happy with that one.
2: We'd be pretty stoked.
1: That's your homework for the end of this. Uh, for the end of this podcast. That's my. Home-
0: <laughs> How do I get homework at the end of a podcast? I don't. Mean- and I'm the one that's hosting this shit. <laughs> you guys turn this around on me. What is this witchcraft? <laughs> oh dear God! This is even better than I thought it was going to be. So now we get okay. That's a beginning plan for 2024. Get loud in arenas, but what else is on the agenda for 2024? Because I mean, it's a brand new year. We got to make sure it's the best year for the home team so far. So what's the plan? Got to add so far in there because I don't want it just to be the best year over. I want it just to be the best year so far. So there's so much more room to grow.
2: Yeah. Uh, so we've got, oh, you go ahead, Brian. I was going to say we are going to release an album. Uh, we got a lot of music coming out. Um, Loud is the first single of our series of songs. that's going to come out over the next few months. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Daniel, you can go next.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so album is being mixed right now. All the songs are recorded. Um, We have another video that's going to be coming out, uh, I believe, the end of January. Um, So another single. Uh, I'm not exactly sure of the timeline of the other singles that are coming up after that, but we're going to do like four or five singles leading up to the album. Um, We have I mean, at, at this point, there's no tours locked in yet, but the plan is to uh, like two U.S. tours. Um, hope we got an offer for an Australian tour. I don't know if we're going to take it yet. We'll see. Um, hopefully we impressed our uh, European agent enough to bring us back over to Europe this year or next year. So it's going to be a lot of touring, new album, um, bunch of merch drops, music videos, kind of like new era of the home team.
0: That's a big undertaking, but you guys are ready for, I mean, you guys already have the music ready to go being mixed and mastered right now, new album in 2024, you said two U.S. tours, correct? Uh, that's
1: the hope. That's um, the we're, hope. Ho- we're hoping that we, uh, that we get like a support slot for uh, like a really, really big band, like small arena size. Um, we'll see. That is entirely not up to us at all
0: anymore. At all. Yeah. Uh. It's whatever, wherever the wind takes you, whatever the label can help with, and whatever other bands want to help help with. But you you said there was another potential for an Australian tour as well, and it might might not happen. I gotta I gotta ask just because I have had a number of Australian bands on, I have had a number of people that have gone and traveled over there. Is it especially with how much travel it costs these, are these days, and if it's viable, is that one of the main issues that's preventing you guys from potentially taking that leap over to Australia?
1: yeah it's it's expensive um the like australia (laughs) australia is so big compared to the number of shows that you can play Mm -hmm. um the major cities you just fly in between them because it's so long it's like an eight hour drive for the shortest ones um so you basically just fly in between each one uh which makes it really really expensive to tour over there um and there's only like I think the tour that we got offered has like five shows in it, uh, which is exactly what we did in the UK. Um, and it's just yeah, it's just expensive. So we'll uh, our agents are negotiating, doing some talking. We'll see. Uh, I I booked all of our shows for a really, really long time. And I'm very, very happy to say I don't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> I, I am the last person to, to be like, yep, that's cool. Let's do it. And that's, a, that's about my involvement now, which rocks.
0: Yeah, and it's the main reason I wanted to ask that question is just to give everyone a better understanding of just, you know, going and touring internationally, it's there are certain costs that end up being incurred in there. But just the difference when it comes to either, especially for people in the US, it's OK, you want to have your band, is you see bands tour over in Australia or Australian bands come over, whatever it is. You see the difference that it is there because you're right. It's I recently talked with another band from Australia called Saint Sinner, and they're like, yeah, if we want to tour, it's like, all right, you got to go to Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, maybe uh, Adelaide. And it, if you get lucky, fly all the way across the country, and go to like Perth or something. But that's like five cities for one whole giant country where if you plop that country straight in the middle of the US, it's like from east to west, you got like the same distance. So having to fly everywhere is, that's expensive as hell. And just trying to get over there to get back, it's, there's a lot of expenses that have to be incurred. So just a better understanding compared to when you're either over in like the UK where you can, you know, it's like what at the most, like a four hour drive somewhere from like North to South from England. And then on top of that, when it comes to us, like if you're on the East coast, you can get to, you get from like Philly to uh, New York in like an hour and a half. Heck, you can get from Milwaukee to Chicago in an hour and a half. No problem.
1: Yep. It's, I mean, it's exactly like if we had to fly from, you know, LA to like Atlanta, for a show, uh, which is an an insane thing to have to do to play one show. Um, and logistically we like, I think we'd try to see if we could book something like maybe a show in Hawaii on the way home or something, or add something in New Zealand or do some other additional thing to try and like make some of the money back. Um, because realistically we're not like, you're not doing that tour to make money. like you only make money in the States when we're headlining everything else is how do you build new fans, play to people who have been wanting to hear you for a while, um, but haven't got the chance to. So like an Australian tour is more to start building up the market. Uh, we are definitely losing money when, when we do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. But you want to make sure that, you know, even when you lose money, that you're still able to recover from it, you're still able to continue on, that you have that safety net involved, that you're not going over there, then come back. And it's like, Well, shit, now we're pretty much so far in the hole. We either got to just sit around and just hope to build up money or that's it. Yeah,
1: when you see see the St. Patrick's Day merch drop or the Arbor Day merch drop, that's when you know we're trying to make up some money for a tour that's losing (laughs) out.
0: I would love to see a St. Patrick's Day Arbor Day merch drop just to see what you guys would come up with.
1: See, so, yeah, so just so everyone knows when you're seeing a, a, a funny merch drop or something that isn't the typical like, oh, Christmas or Halloween, they're trying to make some cash back to, to fix something else that just cost a lot of money. Pretty much.
0: So, so now I know why I sent Killstar and Nightmare on the 9th to make some money back for something. But now it's become its own thing where every single ninth of the month, everyone's like, what are they coming out with now?
1: Oh, that's genius. That's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: the amount of times that, like, especially when I started listening to the band, I'm like, the amount of shirts I ended up buying from them from that was just ridiculous. And I got to a point where I'm like, I think I got too many of these guys. But every Christmas, I still buy something from them. This year, they did a whole entire, like, horror movie shirt. It was from the Seinfeld Festivus episode. So Mm -hmm. it looked like just a horror movie poster. On the back, it said, I got a lot of problems with you people. it out to a bar on Festivus, and I didn't pay for a drink all night.
2: It was Nice. nice.
0: It was a good time. Well, guys, I got one more question for you before we head out. Are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. I started asking this question to every band I've had on since around September, and it's allowed our the audience to get into more new bands. It's allowed me to get into more new bands and allowed us to get to know who you guys like. So between the two of you, can you guys give me three bands that you're absolutely love right now that you want to get more attention on? They can be your size. They can be smaller than you. They can even be bigger than you. But Bands that we you want us to come and figure out and listen to. Looking for three bands. So have fun and go.
2: Does it have to be a band? Can it be artists?
0: Oh, it can be an artist. Absolutely.
2: Cool. Um, I might still need a second to think about it. But uh, I have been lately
1: listening to uh, the new Bad Rabbits album. Um, Bad Rabbits are kind of like one of the pioneers of the like funk R&B mixed with rock uh, in like the Warp Tour world. Um, so they are definitely hugely impactful on our sound. And they put out an album called Garden of Eden this year. Uh, it absolutely kicks ass. Um, go listen to it, but then don't listen to our music too closely because I'm sure there's similarities.
2: <laughs> <laughs> funny you say that? Because the, the artist that I was going to bring up is a classic for us and a band that we have been listening to for years and years as a band um it's a band called polka dot stingray they are from Jap- japan and it's like there's there's so much about it that's so so innovative and cool we are shocked that more people across the pond don't listen to them more um they i mean all the music is in japanese but uh you don't need to understand the lyrics to i mean half the time i don't understand lyrics anyways even if it's in english um but yeah polka dot stingray is an absolutely incredible band um, and then I'm going to use up the third one to plug my baby band palettes. <laughs> there's a, there's a band that I've been working with here in Seattle that, uh, we, they just put out their first EP that I produced and it's my first time doing anything like that. So I'm using this opportunity to plug them. They're called palettes. Like and color and
1: palette. I played drums on their EP and Ryan played bass on it.
0: And that's how we ask the question. Cause then we get stuff like this where we get two bands that you guys absolutely love influence. And then. A band you guys are even working with and first shot producing. That's the—that's what I want to hear. I want to get people to know these bands so we can get a chance to say, hey, go check them out. Go listen to them. The home team's putting their, you know, stamp of approval on that. Seal of approval. I need that seal of approval sign just to go up there, but not seal as in just, you know, normal seal. Seal as in the Pokemon seal of approval. Put that <laughs> up there because these guys like those guys, and that's what we're going to go with. Oh, yeah. Well, guys, as we bring this episode to its conclusion, one thing you always like to do is give my guests, which is both of you guys, this chance to say whatever you wanna say, plug whatever you wanna plug, promote whatever you wanna promote at the end of the episode. So Brian, and wanna make sure you're right, Daniel, because I completely just had a like mind blank moment right there. The floor is yours.
2: Yeah, uh, we're gonna come out with new music here in the next few months. Uh, keep an eye out for that. We'll be doing plenty of touring this year, and we're really, really excited for the new era because we're definitely gonna be branding this differently than we've branded uh, previous releases. So it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Go to shows, buy t-shirts from bands you like. It helps a lot.
0: <laughs> yes. Go to shows, buy t-shirts. Bands like that stuff. You like t-shirts. Go buy them. And also, get ready for new home team music and even more. Oh, yeah. Now it's time for me this podcast with three things. So first things first. When it comes to finding the home team online, when it comes to making sure you can listen to the brand new song, Loud, which came out at the beginning of December, and when they have more new music coming out, you're going to want to make sure you listen to all that stuff. You want to make sure you know where to go to listen to all that stuff. You want to make sure you're following them on social media so that you know when new music drops, when new shows are ready to go, and when those St. Patrick's Day and Arbor Day merch drops happen. You don't want to miss out on those. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to allow me to be your own personal Google search engine type deal. Not Bing, Google Go script for the podcast where it says "Find the home team online." Links and labels for everything, including social media, YouTube, website, merch, and where you can go and listen to music. are all going to be down there for you. So all you have to do is go to description, click, tap, and you're on your way. So you have no excuse not to follow these guys and support them and listen to them. I'm doing all the hard work. You just got to take that last step. Now, step number two, gentlemen. Whenever I've guest in the podcast, I enjoy in the podcast. I tend to make a certain promise. As a way to say, "Hey." Thank you for being on the podcast. I appreciate it, and I wish you continue to continue support the band in in the future because why wouldn't I? And this is how I like to do it. It's not an if. I hate if promises because if is not a promise. It means it might not happen. When is how I go because it's yeah. This promise is going to be held up. We don't have a day or time when that's going to happen. So when I get to see you guys perform live for the first time, whether it's here in my hometown of Milwaukee, whether it's like down in Chicago, or Honestly, if I just randomly find you when I'm on vacation somewhere and just like, oh, shoot, the home team's playing. Oh, I'm going to the show. I'm going to do my best Liam Neeson impersonation as I will look for you. I will find you. I will
2: pursue you. I will come and say hi. And first <laughs> round's on me. All right. Fuck yeah. Appreciate that very much. That's very nice of you.
0: So absolutely. If you see me and you're like, hey, it's Kevin. Kevin, first round's on you. I'm going to look at you and say, you're right. Bartender. And we're just going to go from there. Love it. So the That note, now it's time for number three, and it's I cannot end this podcast by saying goodbye. This was a lot of fun, guys. I want to thank you guys for being on the podcast. As new music comes out, when that new album comes out, I want to bring you guys back on so we can talk all about, get more people to know all about the new music, what you guys are doing. Hopefully, there's a lot more new shows to talk about at the same time as well. And I got the promise to keep to you guys, and I'm not going to miss out on that. So this can't be goodbye. Hell no. This is I'll see you later. See you later. Woo! Well, folks, this is interview with Daniel and Brian from the home team. And now it's time for Kevin's final thought. I really enjoy what this band has to bring to the table when it comes to their different style, their different sound, all the influence they come together. I brought up the band Varsity specifically because... Varsity has so such an array of what they can do within the rock and metal space, along with more of that R&B and soul flow. The heavy pop style of the home team really brings that forward. Still having a lot of focus on some of the heavier instrumentation, while still bringing some more that funk, R&B, pop-centric style to it. So if you like Varsity, you're definitely gonna like the home team. The one thing I really wanna bring up is I love the idea of what they're trying to get loud in arenas. So you think about all those times you go to a sporting event, you go to these different arenas, and you hear some of those songs that they're always playing that are always getting these pops because they connect with so many people and they're just perfect for that situation. And you think about all the classic ones, We Will Rock You, Welcome to the Jungle, uh, Hell's Bells, Back in Black, uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls, they play Master Puppets a good amount of times or even some of the more poppy ones like uh, Uptown Funk they'll still play a good amount of or just stuff like that. Stuff that has that a feeling of getting you pumped up and ready to go and just amping up the crowd. Loud can potentially do that in more of a fun direction. And if they're able to use that and have the idea of potentially penetrating the sports arena market, it's going to be a song where people are able to continually connect with Checkout. And it's somewhere we could see them potentially pop up. I'm not going to say they're going to pop up an octane because they just not, the song's not nearly as heavy for something like that. But they could pop up on, you know, your alternative radio stations. They could pop up on your pop stations as well, wherever it might be. And then that's the way where a band can really start to gain a lot of traction because they have that song that everyone instantly recognizes. And then the key is not becoming a one-hit wonder. I don't think they're going to go down that one-hit wonder route based on their ability as musicians. However, I want to see him get that arena thing to pop. So I said I was going to help him. And when I send that email to Thriller, letting him know that everything is ready for this episode, I'm going to add that in there as well. So watch out, might be helping out going to do my homework on this one so do your homework too and make sure you follow along with the home team go to the podcast where it says find the home team online links and labels for everything you need for there to follow along on social media listen to music watch music videos check out their merch check out their website because you want to be there when the st patrick's day and arbor day merch drops happen yeah i'm gonna still keep saying that so go down there make sure you follow along with everything also along with us we're on facebook twitter and instagram hit subscribe right here if you're on youtube to subscribe to the podcast new episodes every single tuesday and thursday along with react videos every single friday as well if you are just listening on streaming, so spot out podcast, I heard on Amazon hit that follow button as well, or subscribe button. The full episodes and interviews every single Tuesday and Thursday are available there as well. Make sure you like the video. Make sure you like the episode as well. Helps push us in the algorithm. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Daniel. And now that's going to be for me, guys. Thank you for watching. listening see to the Card progression podcast. My name is Kevin and you guys know how I end every single one. That's up the big healthy and hearty. See y'all.